Welcome to the Do Better podcast with your coach and host, me, Stevie Potter, helping you to go from feeling like a smashed packet of custard creams to being a superhuman. To find out where you are right now on the spectrum, go to our show notes and visit the Superhuman Scorecard and start changing your life today. Hello and welcome back to the Do Better podcast. I hope you've had a lovely week. What have you been up to? Uh, I say that like you can talk back to me. I feel like I'm having a conversation when I do these, but obviously it's just me talking to the dog and the computer. But I hope you've had a good week. Um, It's been a nice one for me, actually. I am preparing for my first crit race. By the time you hear this, I will have done it and I may or may not still be in one piece, but here's hoping I will still have all my arms and legs stuck where they should be and all my skin intact as well. Um, So I've been gearing up for that this week. I've had a little bit of a rest week this week. So just absorbing some of the benefits of training. And I do always talk to my clients about making sure that you have plenty of rest and recovery so that you can absorb the changes of whatever you're doing. So that is important. And you will note that I do practice what I preach. So I'm feeling a bit more psyched and ready to go um, next week. So that's exciting. Um... I thought I would come to you for the next few episodes. I'm going to focus on diet. And last um, last week, we talked a little bit about the kind of quality versus quantity and whether calories really are everything when it comes to uh, what we eat. And I kind of made the argument that while calories are really important in terms of the quantity of the foods that we're eating, which is obviously important for managing weight, um, and that's partially related to health, one of the things that's a bit more neglected is the quality of the food that we eat. And I made the argument that if you're only focusing on calories and you're only focusing on the quantity of food that you're eating, then you're never really going to achieve your full health potential, which means you're going to leave a lot um, on, on the plate when you're coming to improving yourself and your own success. Because in order to get the most out of yourself, you've got to be the healthiest, fittest version of yourself that you can be. That's going to focus your mind, it's going to give you longevity. And at the end of the day, one of the most powerful ways to do that is through our diet. And a lot of people put diets kind of after everything else. If you speak to some coaches, they will put exercise and and, uh, movement and and training before everything else. I don't think that's the case. I think you definitely are what you eat. And the fuel that you put in every single day, and think about how often you eat during the day, what a massive impact that's going to have. Because your body is made up of all the nutrients that you give it. If you're not giving it the right nutrients, it's not going to build the right tissues, which means it's not going to be useful to you. So I think it's really important to put a proper emphasis on diet and nutrition. Uh, The emphasis that it deserves um, in terms of health and in terms of our true potential. So I thought with it being, I know we're kind of into January a little bit now, but with it being January, with it being the beginning of the year, um, there's a lot of noise generally on social media about all these kind of diets with these ridiculous claims about weight loss and you need to do this and not eat this and all these kind of restrictive diets and things like that. And I thought I would just pick out a few. I'm going to do an episode on just a few of the diets um, that I've seen out there that a lot of people talk to me about. Um, And I'm going to try and focus an episode per uh, diet, um, just just a few episodes, like I say, to look at the more common ones that people discuss with me. And just give you my advice on those, my experience with those, and actually some of the the proper science behind them and why they may or may not work for you. Now, I'm going to start off by saying 
I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. Um, I am really passionate about diet and nutrition. I have done a lot of reading and research. I have a lot of experience myself as well in terms of eating for performance, whether that's for Ironman, whether that's for sprint distance triathlon, whether that's for 10Ks. Um, I've also eaten for weight loss when I had to focus on weight for coxing and rowing and things like that. And obviously managing weight generally as well. So I have experience, but I've also done a lot of reading around the subject from a lot of varied um, experts in the field. And obviously with my background in healthcare, particularly in dentistry, um, I do have a foundation knowledge of nutrition as well, which is really important to the job that I do. Because at the end of the day, I'm dealing with the first part of the digestive tract, which is the mouth. And it's really important that you have a firm handle on nutrition in order to be an expert at what we do there. So um, I do have a background in health and nutrition. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. But I like to think that actually I know quite a lot about the subject. And I'm always learning as well and sharing that knowledge with you as kind of updates and things come out. And I like to pick out the best bits of everybody's work. So things like um, the gut health doctor, I'm a massive fan of, but I think there's more to the picture than that. I am a big advocate for obviously measuring calories for weight loss. I think there's an element to that. And I think that a lot of people take a very black and white view of nutrition and they go really firmly down one rabbit hole. And I don't think that's right. All the diets that I'm going to discuss, you may well find there is one in there that works for you in terms of what it is that you want to achieve. And that could be based on your medical history. You might have discussed it with your doctor or a nutritionist or a dietitian. Um, but it also might be just whatever fits in with your lifestyle. And remember that we're all individuals and different things are going to work for different people based on that. So today, to kick us off, I'm going to start with probably, I think this is the most commonly discussed diet with me. It's something that a lot of people come to me and ask me about. It's something that a lot of people tell me they're going to do. It's also something that a lot of people have told me they've tried and not had success with. And then other people have said, actually, they've got on really well with. And that's the keto diet. So keto diet, short for ketogenic diet, um, Probably the most common one that I see on the internet as well is people kind of bullying carbohydrates a little bit. And there are various different forms of that. You've got lower carb diets, you've got the Atkins diet, you've got your ketogenic diet. I think keto is probably the most common one that's out there. Um, so I'm going to talk about that today. For those of you that don't know much about the keto diet, what is it? Well, the keto diet, like I say, it uh, it bullies carbohydrates and usually it advises people to eat less than 20 grams of carbohydrate. Now that varies from person to person and they will tell you there are various ways of measuring how much carbohydrate you can eat. Um, on the basic ones, they'll just say eat less than 20 grams. But actually, if you look into the science of it, the point at which you go into ketogenesis, which is the point of this diet, um, is different for everybody. Now, the science behind it, the idea is that if you're not eating carbohydrates, um, your body is forced to digest the fat that's around your organs and in the rest of your body. So in theory, you should lose more body fat on the ketogenic diet because you're not relying on carbohydrates for instant fuel and you're making your body access the fat stores that it has. Um, and it does that by, instead of using glucose, which comes from carbohydrates, um, which is probably the easiest form of fuel the body can get hold of, um, it will digest fats into what we call ketone bodies, which various organs can use to generate energy. So that's a, a kind of, you know, armchair engineer's idea of the keto diet and how it works. So it sounds great, right? Because, well, if I just eat less carbohydrates, then I'm going to burn off my body fat and I'll look great. And wouldn't it be marvellous if that were the case? Um, 
it's actually quite difficult to stick with the keto diet. Um, so if I give you an idea of certain foods with carbohydrates, some common ones, 20 grams of carbohydrate. If you think the average apple has about 14 grams of carbohydrate, then that would be your carbohydrate quota almost for the day. You you would have six, six grams left over. Um, 100 grams of sweet potato, so that's not very much at all. If you think a jacket potato weighs usually about 250 grams, um, 100 grams of sweet potato would eat up your entire 20 gram allowance for the day. So you can see that actually it's very, very restrictive because even if you look at, um, unless you're eating just kind of meats and cheeses, everything's going to have carbohydrates in it down to fruits and vegetables as well so in order for you to get all the fruits and vegetables that you need in a ketogenic diet um it's going to be quite challenging if you also want to eat any other carbohydrates so most people end up eating basically no starchy carbohydrates at all now where does it come from that's a really interesting thing to look at if we look at the history of the ketogenic diet it actually first appears as a therapy for epilepsy back in the 20s and 30s. And we didn't have anticonvulsant medications then. So we had a whole group of people who were having seizures and we did lots of research into what would help them. And what doctors saw was if they put people into a fasted state, so basically starved them of food for certain periods of time, then that would actually reduce uh, the seizures that they were having. And there's a whole bunch of science around um, the kind of metabolic pathways for that and why that works, which I'm not going to go into because it's complicated. But essentially, they saw that if they deprived people of food, if they put people into a fasted state and they kept their blood sugar really, really low, then they didn't have these epileptic seizures. We then invented anticonvulsant medication and fasting was really hard, um, so it kind of fell out of favour. In between that, we realised that fasting was difficult to stick to. So we said, right, well, what can we do instead? And some research was done by a guy from the Mayo Clinic, and he saw that if he fed people a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet, um, a la la keto diet. See, I told you I was learning French. If you're in the group, you'll know I'm learning French at the moment. That was a little bit of French for you. Um, So if you were putting people into a high fat, low carbohydrate diet, what he saw was when he observed the effects on the resting blood glucose, that the effect was the same as when people were in a fasted state. So he thought, well, this is great because I can feed people food and I'm getting the same results in terms of their blood work as I do with a fasted state. So that could be really helpful. So when he then tried that with uh, epilepsy patients, the effects were the same. If you give them a high-fat diet, low-carbohydrate diet, um, their resting blood glucose is similar to when we fast them completely, and that reduces their seizures. So this is great because people can eat, so they can have all their meats and cheeses, lovely diet, Um, They obviously can't eat loads of potatoes and bread and things like that, but they can still eat and they don't have to fast. So that's going to fit in better with their lifestyle. So maybe we'll give them the keto diet and that will be the treatment option. And so that was quite popular during that time. And then, like I say, we invented anticonvulsant medications and all this kind of dieting for epilepsy kind of fell out of favour. 
However, there were a small group of people, um, a lot of them were children, for whom the anticonvulsant medications didn't work or weren't suitable. And so they were still having the seizures. It was about 20 to 30% of patients, which I think is actually quite a high number. And for those patients, they stuck to the keto diet method and it worked for them. And so we started to see that this was used in medicine as a management technique for epilepsy. And I believe in some parts of the world, in some hospitals, some people still use it. Um, like I say, for children, it's quite common. Um, and for people that maybe um, are not appropriate for the medication or for perhaps it doesn't work for them. Um, now, quite when it was introduced into the weight loss scene, quite when they got hold of it, I'm not really sure. Um, but my guess is it's something to do with work on the carbohydrate insulin model or perhaps that we saw obviously from fasting you're going to put yourself into a calorie deficit if you do it correctly um, and that's going to mean that you have weight loss so perhaps people looked at fasting and said is there a better way to do this so that it's um, it's followed better by the people on the diet well maybe we could use the keto diet because they showed that the blood work on a keto diet was the same as when people fasted so maybe we should use that because people will stick to it better they can eat lots of food they can have a steak they can have a nice philly cheese steak um and they'll still lose weight because they'll be in a fasted state perhaps that was the idea behind it the carbohydrate insulin model similar kind of logic behind that um so there's some work published um, about how if you eat carbohydrates, particularly um, more refined carbohydrates, and this all links into things like um, the glycemic index of foods, then that would cause an insulin spike. And if you get more of those, that's what causes you to gain weight because that's going to translate those to fat. Now, they claim that there is no relevance of calories at all to weight gain or weight loss and it's all to do with carbohydrates which of course we know is complete tosh because that defies all laws of thermodynamics so you can't destroy nor create energy therefore in order to burn energy that we already have, we need to put ourselves into a calorie deficit. We need to be consuming less energy than we're burning. Um, and that will force us to use the energy that we have stored. And that will cause us to lose weight. And that is a calorie deficit. Um, to argue anything else is quite frankly ludicrous. However, I think that looking at the carbohydrate insulin model and kind of thinking about the role that hormones play... Um, is helpful because if you're eating lots of refined sugars and processed foods you're not going to get the same satiety as if you're eating proteins fats leafy green vegetables and a lot of that's just because of the volume of food that you can eat for the amount of calories that you have so if you imagine you know 100 calories worth of haribo looks very different to 100 calories worth of chicken salad and you're going to look a very different person if you ate either of those things so I think the carbohydrate insulin model has its benefits in terms of how we think about what we eat, but I think it completely misses the obvious picture. So perhaps it was them that decided that the ketogenic diet would be great for weight loss. Um, and perhaps that's why it works for people, is that we don't get this kind of insulin yo-yoing um, of blood sugar, therefore we don't get the same hunger pangs, therefore we find it easier to actually stick to a calorie deficit when we're not eating refined carbohydrates. What can you eat on it? Well, you can eat full fat dairy products. You can eat full fat 
pretty much anything. Um, it could come from plants, animals, there's loads of nuts on the diet. Um, avocados are a big thing. Full fat cheese, butter, they encourage you to cook in butter. Um, oils, for some reason, coconut oil uh, got really massive in it, although quite frankly, I think it's vile and disgusting. Not to mention the environmental impact of shipping coconut oil from very far away, when if you're actually going to use a saturated fat to cook in, you could just use lard, dripping or butter. Um, again, I'm not sure that that would be advisable for your health, but it is an option. And I'm not quite sure why you would choose something that makes everything taste a little bit burnt and synthetic, which I think coconut oil does. But there we are. Um, plenty of protein on the diet as well, but the real emphasis is on energy from fat. So they do encourage you to eat quite a lot of fat. Um, non-starchy vegetables, so your broccolis, your salads, peppers, that kind of thing. Um, and then moderate amounts of fruits. So again, anything that's going to taste a bit sweeter is going to have a higher level of carbohydrate in it. And that's going to be something that's limited on the diet, uh, particularly if you're following a strict keto diet with 20 grams or less of carbohydrates then you're going to struggle to fit much in in terms of the way of, of carbohydrate when you think that there are also carbohydrates in dairy products even in small amounts in the full fat varieties um it, it does all add up throughout the day and you will have seen that there are lots of success stories there are lots of people that say you know if you go onto facebook you can join keto forums um I've had clients telling me about, you know, Dave next door and he's lost this much and, you know, he's 10 pounds lighter than he was two weeks ago because he's following a keto diet and he looks great. Um, but you only have to go onto Instagram and you'll see all the results there uh, of keto diets and how amazing people say they are. Um, and what do we know? What have we just said? Well, the reason people lose weight on any diet is due to a calorie deficit and nothing else. And that's really important to bear in mind is that the reason this diet works for people is because they're able to maintain a calorie deficit. And it might be that depending on what your natural cravings are, what you're naturally drawn towards in terms of how your body's wired up and what makes you tick, what makes your brain light up, or as I call them, the fairy lights food, for some people, that's going to be fatty foods. It's going to be the bacon and the cheese and the savoury things like that. And if you're that person then following a diet where you're going to eat lots of those full fat protein products is going to help you because you're going to feel satisfied. You're not going to feel like you're craving things. You're going to be eating the foods that you want to eat. But at the end of the day, if you want to lose weight on it, you're still going to need to eat those foods in moderation. You're going to need to think about protein, uh, sorry, portion control. And you're going to need to think about actually how much energy you're taking in. Now, the reason that some people won't count calories and still have success with this is because they're going to feel so full. If you're eating tons and tons of protein and fat, you're going to feel really full. Um, add to that salads, you're going to need to drink plenty of water to make sure you're flushing everything through. Again, it's going to make you feel really full. And so I think one of the success stories is the satiety that you get on this diet. I think the downsides are, obviously... There's a lot of information out there and we already know about the risks of saturated fats and heart disease. Now, um, I think that there has been developments in that and we obviously went completely the wrong way. We said that fat causes heart disease, therefore fat's the enemy, we need to eliminate it completely in our diet. And what did we do? We started adding sugars and sweeteners and all sorts of weird, crazy things to our food. We started processing it more to create low-fat products and it was completely the wrong way to go about things. Instead, what I think we should be focusing on is maybe limiting the amount of saturated fat that we have, um, 
But I don't actually think you need to pay too much attention to that if you are following what I would normally advise people to do, which is portion control and um, eating unprocessed foods. And you will soon find that actually fat tends to level itself out. And it's not actually something I encourage my clients to focus on too much. We always look at, are you getting enough protein in terms of what you need to do if you're building muscle, strength, whatever, recovery from exercise? And are you getting enough carbohydrate to fuel your exercise and your your daily activities? And fat tends to just fall into place around that. Um, So I think putting an emphasis on eating that much fat could potentially have some, some real... Um, health negatives, depending on who you are and what your medical medical history is. Um, in terms of health, I think avoiding the processed foods, and if you look at the list of things that you can eat, full fat products, things like that, um, they're all fairly unprocessed. And avoiding the kind of sugary snacks is only going to be good for you because you're avoiding by proxy those processed foods. So I think in terms of health, the concept of just avoiding processed foods is obviously sound. And if we look at a lot of diets, and you're going to see this over the next few episodes, the reason they're good for your health and the reason we see health metrics improve with people that that follow these diets is simply because they're avoiding processed foods. They're avoiding these hyperpalatable, super processed foods, which don't do us any good. And that is a universal truth. And I think in this diet in particular, again, full fat dairy products, proteins, non-starchy vegetables and moderate amounts of fruits. We're still encouraging people to eat vegetables, but we're also saying don't go for the low fat products, don't go for the processed foods. Um, And at the end of the day, you're not going to be as healthy if you still go and pick out the processed keto bread or, you know, keto snack bars that are shouting at you from those big kind of bright glittery packets on the shelf. So I think the take home message for the keto diet is that As for all diets, it will work for weight loss if you are in a calorie deficit. And that might be easier for you with this diet because you may feel a lot fuller and it may satisfy the itch that you have for fatty foods, for the things you have a craving for. Not, however, if you're a carb junkie, um, because if you love carbohydrates, then this is probably not going to satisfy you so much. In terms of health metrics, it could help you because if you're following the major rules, you're probably going to avoid processed food a little bit more. Um, That is going to improve your health metrics. It's going to improve your resting blood glucose. Um, So I think there are elements that are positive about this, but I think we need to take it with a pinch of salt. And at the end of the day, is it easier to just put yourself into a calorie deficit while still eating all of the foods that you like and not being so restrictive on whole food groups? Um, is it easier to do that and still lose weight and do it longer term? Or is it better to do this and maybe think about doing it shorter term? Now, my argument would be, I think you need to pick something long term and I think you need to eat all the foods that you enjoy. And I also think that if you're doing any kind of training for sport, then you're going to have to think about whether this is really right for you. And I know a lot of people are advocates for low carbohydrate diets. um, And I think we've got the other side of that, which is high carbohydrate diets. I think somewhere in the middle and finding what works for you is really important. And I think that being restrictive with diets, particularly in relation to weight loss, is a really bad thing in terms of the psychology because it's difficult to stick to. And if you fail, you often fail really badly. So that's my take on the keto diet. 
Um, if you want to find out a little bit more about that, I'm going to be, um, like I say, doing, I can answer some questions in the group. Um, so please join the community on Facebook. Um, I'm always hanging out there. So you, you can pop into the group, ask questions. Um, let us know if you're following the keto diet and you've had success with it, or if you're following it and you found it really hard, or if you've done it in the past, talk to us about it in the group. It'd be really interesting to hear, um, some individual viewpoints on that. Um, there's also plenty on the blog about diet as well. So if you want to know a little bit more about that, feel free to log on to thewonderclinic.co.uk and check out the blog there as well. And all the links to sign up to the newsletter, the Wonder Clinic Roundup, um, the Paladins community on Facebook, and of course the Superhuman Scorecard, which will help you to identify some of the struggles you might be having with nutrition now and give you some top tips on how you can improve those. Um, all of those links are available in the show notes so do check those out um but for now hopefully i will see you in the paladins community on facebook have a great week and i'll catch up with you again soon thanks for listening to the do better podcast i hope you enjoyed the show you can connect with me and learn more about how you can become a happier healthier and more successful superhuman by contacting me at stevie potter at the following Stevie's Wonder Clinic on Instagram and heading to our website, thewonderclinic.co.uk. And you can get started on your journey today by completing the Superhuman Scorecard via the link in the show notes. I hope to see you all soon.